Hello and welcome to the RylaCast, the official podcast of Camp Ryla, Rotary District 5810. My name is Greg Tupper. My usual host on this podcast is the man they call Josie, Andrew Utz. Andrew Utz is indisposed at the moment in uh, what we're declaring here on the RylaCast to be uh, compulsory uh, paternity leave. Because if you didn't hear, uh, Josie and Joni welcomed their uh, second child, a a beautiful daughter named Landry. Congratulations to them. So uh, we at the RylaCast, meaning me, said, Josie, you get on out of here. But that that has left us with a void because nobody wants to listen to just me talk. And it is my distinct pleasure and honestly privilege to welcome in our guest host for the evening, or day, whatever you listen to this podcast, it's evening now. Let's go to Parts Unknown to be joined by our friend, Hunter Follett. Hey, Hunter. Uh, Look at us. We did it. Look at us. Here we are. Here we are. For an exciting 30 minutes to two hours of podcasting (laughs) excellence. It's like the Joe Rogan podcast. The more you like the, the guests, the longer it goes, right? Yeah, it's this is Schrodinger's podcast. It's like uh, if you look at it, it's just gonna just gonna last longer. So don't do not look at the we, you're listening to this. Don't look at the timestamp right now. Oh, it could be any time. The cat's alive and dead. It is. It, the cat exists in two different planes. Um, this this is the RylaCast, the official podcast of Camp Ryla, Rotary District 5810. We do thank you for spending part of your day with us. Coming up here in just a moment, we have an exciting guest. His name is Hunter Follett. I'll what? interview him live. Yes. <laughs> oh, that, that's huge news. That's I huge know. News. You've been trying, this is a, you've been trying this, to get him forever. This is a big get for our little podcast. Uh, but we're going to start. First of all, uh, I, I haven't I haven't properly uh, introduced you. How are you, my friend? I, Greg. Gregory, may I call you Greg? You, you can't, please. That's my Christian name. I have never been better in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that genuinely. Uh, across all dimensions. We'll get to uh, your travels here in a moment, but like your Instagram is one of the most interesting places on the internet. What was the, what was your last, uh, you were up North. I, I, I distinctly remember you bun relatively bundled for it being October. Is that correct? That's, that's true, Gregory. Um, you know, the internet is a dark and vast place. Uh, and I like to be a shining beacon of light in there. And by I, I mean my wife, because she not just manages her Instagram, but also my Instagram. Um, I was indeed in, yeah, indeed, I don't really post on my own. Um, I was indeed in Brush Creek, Wyoming. Oh. Uh, and uh, doing a little bit of outdoorsmanship. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of... Uh, inconveniencing fish before releasing them back into the wild. Um, it's actually, you know, when you think about what fly fishing is, it really is sort of a, a savage activity. Um, you, you know, we're not eating it. We're just inconveniencing. Um, You're just making them late. Correct. Whatever. What I mean, you know, it's basically dinner time all the time. If you're a fish, there's, you know, nymphs and flies and stuff. They're trying to eat naturally. And what are we doing? Uh, we're inter- interrupting that with a, a, a trip by the lip. You're a, you're a fish traffic cop. It's like, hey, slow slow down there. Hey, hey, I need you. Uh, come here. Let's talk for a second. Let's talk. For I'm, a second. Like the, I'm, like the, I'm like the Ozempic of fish. You know, uh, I'm getting them to eat a little bit less um, <laughs> uh, and exercise. Okay. Well, then thank you for what you're doing for the fish population. Thank you. You're welcome. 
You're welcome. <laughs> Real hero stuff. Uh, it is now my uh, again my pleasure and honestly something I feared for 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 quite a little bit. Here with the first segment of the Rylacast, here is Hunter Follett with an open microphone. Please know I do have editing power on the back end, so use that how you will. But uh, here's Hunter. Gregory, Gregory, Gregory. I am so excited about this opening segment that I spent a total of 15 seconds thinking about it in advance. And what I decided is that I'm going to incorporate you and Ooh. give you – yeah, I know, I know. I know it's supposed to be just me, but you know what? No, I love I, it. I just the, the bro the the, uh, the bromance uh, needs needs your help. I want you to pick. I've got two topics for you that you can choose from that we're going to discuss. The first topic is how to get any job you want and then rise to the top in both compensation and role. Boy, that's going to be hard to beat. But I will look behind door number two before I make my decision. Door number two is how to live a life where you feel electric all the time and can handle any situation. <laughs> it's a real Sophie's choice here. Um, you know what? I feel like I need to be electrified. My topic also is a little bit career oriented. So tell me how to be electrified, feel electric all the time. You don't want to just keep it. Let's go career. Let's take career the whole time. You know what? I, I told you, you had a chance choice. I'm going to go to the career option. You know? Okay. Uh, so thanks, thanks for voting. Here's Hunter but, not listening to me. <laughs> great work. Great work, Greg. Um, so I guess let me start with what the conventional advice, and you may have heard this before from the conventionals, mm -hmm. uh, and that is, you know, what, what do they call it? They do what you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, listen, I don't know what I'm passionate about. Nobody does what they're passionate about. I mean, certainly, like, that's just, that's like, I mean, some people do. Like, some people are so passionate about something silly like high school football that they literally build an entire career around. Uh, commentating, winning Emmys from, and uh, editing a magazine for it. But others um, are maybe unsure, yeah, particularly at the, the, the right young age of, of, of 20, you know, 17, whatever age we're speaking to here. And so what I would recommend is instead, try things that seem interesting. Uh, because uh, get a couple reps in the batting cages. Check out a curveball. Check out a fastball. I'm putting in the sports analogies for you, Greg. Thank you. Um, and that's, I think, uh, maybe the first thing I'll say is that, like, everyone's telling you to do what you're passionate about. But realistically, um, trying things that, that are interesting is going to give you uh, more exposure and, and sort of more reps. Uh, and hopefully at the end of that, you can um, uh, you'll you'll find something that, that you are good at and that you find interesting. That's that's an interesting way to put it, because I think like like passionate about it, it, it feels like it's like deigned from on high. Do you know what I mean? Like you're born with this. You're born with what you're passionate about. And certainly we on the Rylacast do encourage you to trust your gut. Like your gut, very good at, at things. However, how, how can you be passionate about something you don't know about? Correct. Correct. You know? Which is why you should try things that you're, you're, you're interested in. And that brings me to step two of my process mm -hmm. to how to get any job you want and rise to the top in both compensation and role. Step two. Find a way. So here's the deal. What most people do is they, you know, go to high school and then they say, I'm going to go drop my resume for a bunch of jobs. Or they go to college and say, I'm going to drop my resume for a bunch of jobs, right? I'm going to try to get some interviews. Uh, they're going to look at my test scores. They're going to look at my my GPA. Uh, and then maybe I'm going to, you know, get an, get an interview with one of those and, and hopefully get a job. Guys, I'm telling you, don't do it. I've, I've actually, this is true. I don't think I've ever interviewed for a job. Ooh, Wow. 
that's a that's a you're a you're in a, you're certainly in a, in, a, in a small minority there of people who've never interviewed for a job. I I had one confirmatory interview uh, one time, but the rest have been uh, through a different path, mm-hmm. uh, which is I like to interview people uh, for my potential job. Right, I'll interview them, and let me tell you what I mean by that. Find people doing something you're interested in, right? Whether that's through family relationships or just go on LinkedIn or Google it, right? And get a way to, to say, listen, I am. I find what you do really interesting, and I'd love to interview you, um, an informational interview about what you do. Um, hmm. And set up a, whether it's, you know, say you want to be a teacher, go have an informational interview with a teacher or a principal, same thing. Say you want to be a, a banker, go have an informational, informational interview with some bankers. And you need to ask about a couple questions, right? Um, and, and listen, this is where, Greg, you have, have made a career uh, is you understand very, very clearly that people love to talk about themselves. Uh, I, uh, and in one of these, I'm a, a person, I like to talk about myself. Uh, and so what I would recommend is asking these people doing things that you're interested in. One, what makes you feel electric about your job? Mm. What, what challenges have you faced and, and what have you learned from them? And then, and this is the question that you can't ask enough times, but what makes somebody world-class at this job? Ooh, I like that. I'm writing that down. Hey, you got it. So you're going to do this to a couple of people and maybe the, that do the job you want, but maybe also their bosses. And here's what's going to happen. They're going to tell you, they're going to spend, ideally, they spend most of the time talking. So, you know, they're going to want to know who you are and your background, but realistically, you want to get them talking about what they like. And then eventually, you're going to use some of that same language when you're interviewing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing is, you now have somebody who's already invested some amount of time, maybe they bought you lunch, um, into you, and it's a potential ally within the organization. You can even reference them during the interview. Hey, I talked to Greg Tepper. Uh, you know, about Bally's. And he said that when I feel electric was getting to see young people do something they're passionate about. And that I, I totally resonated with me. And here's why. Okay. So now you've interviewed the job you want. At some point you may have to actually apply. Maybe not. Maybe they just say, Hey, tell you what, I'll put in a good word and we'll get you sorted. Yeah. There may be a website involved. <laughs> you, you, sometimes it's a website. I've heard the internet is here to stay. Mm. Um, when that happens, uh, you may have to go to, I know this is crazy on interview. At that interview, the most important part of the interview usually comes at the end. Because they're going to come in and they're going to say, tell me about yourself. And tell them about yourself. And they're going to come and say, tell me about a situation you dealt with. Yeah, yeah, doesn't matter. All that stuff, if they're interviewing 10, 15 people a day, you kind of drown in the noise. But what they always remember, and this is crazy because I used to head recruiting, is the questions you ask them. And this is another opportunity to ask the interviewer, who's probably somebody in the role and probably somebody in H or somebody in HR or both. Again, this question is like this is this is kryptonite to their to their their walls to hiring you. What makes somebody world class at this job? Mm-hmm. What makes you feel electric about working here? Mm-hmm. Because they will then associate you with that answer. The answer that they're going to give you. It doesn't even matter what they say. At some point, say the same words back to them, but that's the key. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now you've got the job. Here's where, here's where, like, here's where you start to use your Jedi tools. Know your boss's job and make, like, take advantage of your boss's laziness. I am, Mm. oh, I I am a world-class lazy boss. I really want to hire people. 500 hitters and then not tell them how to sway. Mm-hmm. And so if you can be that 500 hitter and sort of you, you know, 
instead of they having you to ask you things, you're pushing it to them. You take ownership of the outcomes. Total game changer. Let me give you a couple of examples. Early on, and this is particularly true with so many remote jobs, right? There's so many like so many remote worlds now. And man, what an opportunity that is for somebody is starting out who's willing to go do the hard work of saying, I'd like to get to know you better. Because it used to be that we were all standing around water coolers in the office and playing fantasy football together. And that's kind of how we get to know each other and grow within the organization. Well, today, if we hire somebody that's remote and we don't necessarily get to meet them or spend that much time with them, if they take the time to schedule uh, a 30-minute session with the people they're going to be working with and for, to say, hey, I want to get to know you. I want to know what makes somebody world-class. What's the vision of the organization? What's the vision of, of our division or of your, of your role? How can I make your role easier? What is what, what would it what would it take for me to be the best person you've ever seen do this job? That sort of thing. Um, you're going to, again, build that rapport with those people, and they're going to feel more comfortable uh, giving you feedback and, and, um, and, and sort of uh, working with you. And then work with your boss. You should set a, schedule a meeting with your boss and then take the notes on the following questions. What's the vision? What's the vision for you as my boss? And what's your vision for me? Like, let's agree on it. And maybe you have your own thoughts on that, right? The best thing you do is say, here's what I think we're supposed to be doing. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> then maybe schedule a follow-up to, you know, a- agree on methods and measurements for that vision, right? Okay, we all agree on the vision. I'd like to meet with you in a week to talk about how we're going to get there and how I think we're going to measure, how we're going to know when we're there. Mm-hmm. We're going to measure it. Finally, the other thing, let me interrupt you for one second. One of the things about the that conversation too, which I think is so prudent here, is that is signaling to them the way that you like to be managed. Because there's some people, they want a hands-on relationship. They want you, hey, I'm like, I'm going to come and ask you a lot of questions. And there's other people who are like, hey, I've got my job description. Let me, let me cook. I'll come to you when I need it. And so by keeping that open line of dial- dialogue, you will continue. They will have an idea. It's a two-way street. They'll have an idea of how to best ma- uh, manage you going forward too. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and listen, a good leader will recognize what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. A good leader will say, okay, because uh, what a good leader doesn't want to do is tell you what to do all the time. They don't want to. They, they don't want you sitting at your desk waiting for them to tell you to do this next, mm-hmm. right? What they want to do is agree on the outcome and let you figure out the how. Right. Agree on the outcome. Agree on how it's going to be measured. And then you figure out how to get there. Uh, maybe the example is uh, 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 we're trying to cr- we're trying to create a same, you know, hey, I think our, I think my, I'm, I'm applying to be an HR manager. And mm-hmm. I think the outcome is to have a seamless experience for the employees where we're able to attract, you know, or, you know, retain, train, empower, you know, from from. Uh, Hire to retire a process where they, you know, uh, that that requires sort of a limited amount of, of uh, that's consistent and that enables them to grow within the organization, gives everybody a path to growth, gives them kid, a feed of, of, of feedback. Cool. That's our outcome. Great. We want to have a world-class team that's growing and learning and, 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 and really good at what they do and is fired about their job. Now let's come up with some methods, methods to do that. Okay. We need a, a system, an HRIS system that's going to, um, you know, they're going to apply through and we're going to be able to track all of our applicants so that it's a fair process. And then we're going to, you know, have a, like, and then, hey, this is the next part. After you've agreed on the methods, after you've agreed on how we're going to measure success, start doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Start executing and don't be afraid to share what you're doing. And while that's going on, right, after you've gotten a couple early wins, go to your boss and have the following conversation. These are the words you need to use. Boss, I am, I I love working here. I love doing what I'm doing. 
and I want to I want to like be a contributing like I want to be a franchise player of the organization, mm-hmm. right? So keyword franchise player. I want to be a franchise player for the organization, and I would like to tie my success to the success of the organization. Mm-hmm. Here's some outcomes, and by the way, you should always send them an email. Hey, here's the outcomes we agreed on. Here's some outcomes we agreed on a month ago. I've already knocked A and B out. I'd like to set up a path. To, to grow within the organization in both role, responsibility, and compensation as we execute on these remaining outcomes. And then go do it, and then come show them the, come show them the receipt. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be very hard for them not to go advocate for you. Um, what's, uh, what's interesting here is that in everything that you've described, they're giving you the answers to the test. <laughs> and you are simply going back and filling in the test with the answers that they gave you to use like yeah. a, a broad strokes. Obviously, you need to have a certain amount of talent and a certain amount of, of skill set. But like you're you are using them. To, you're using the answer key. <laughs> yeah, it's saying, hey, let's let's agree on what the test is going to be. Mm-hmm. It's going to be graded. <laughs> and, and, I mean, like, and by the way, your boss is going to love this. They don't want some mystery. You know, they like, hey, here's what we need to get done as an organization. You're going to execute. You're going to do whatever you're going to do it. Here's the last thing is instead of bringing, so bringing a problem to your boss without a, without a recommendation is called complaining, right? Mm-hmm. Problems without, without a path forward is just, that's just complaining about something. And they didn't hire you so they could do your job. What you want to be doing is bring an outcome. So instead of, Hey, uh, HR is broken, you know, or Hey, HR doesn't have X, Y, or Z. It's, Hey, I think it'd be really great if HR felt really consistent from hire to fire. And in order to do that, here's some recommendations on how to get there. One, we should do, uh, we should put in an HRS system. Two, we should you know, go and hire the formerly incarcerated, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's my little soliloquy. Exactly. Hey. No, that uh, and time. Uh, perfect. No, that's that makes a lot of sense, and I think that those are practical tangible like real life things that you can take that these aren't broad brush strokes these are like hey go ask this question i love the question of what makes someone world class at this i think that that is because you're saying because what you're doing is in like like subconsciously or super consciously however you want to put it you are putting in their mind oh this person is driven to not just be another cog in the wheel they're driven to be the best at this more than the best they want yeah. to do everything that, that that so there's 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 top there's high performers right they're the best mm-hmm. at it what i want to do is everything that i'm capable of yes right it's like there's a there's a best performer and then there's a meta performer somebody who's like doing not just what you know better than everybody else they're doing everything that they're capable of and everything, you know you ain't seen nothing yet right um, mm-hmm. And kind of that attitude it goes a long way. And Greg, Gregory, if I must, um, it, I will tell you how to live a life where you feel electric all the time and can handle any situation. I know that some members of the audience, 50% of the audience, as far as I can tell, uh, wanted to hear that question spoken about. And I'll tell you that ordinarily, I give a, a day seven lecture about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to be at day seven this year. So you're going to have to look at maybe having me back. Well, I, look, this is smart because now you've just booked yourself for a sequel. That's what you do. That's why you leave the first movie on a cliffhanger. It's a it's a miniseries. You want to feel electric? You're gonna have to have guess, me back. You don't want to feel I electric. I guess you're gonna have to. You want to feel like crap? That's on you. I guess you're gonna need to renew us for another season. I yes, guess that's yes, it. Yes, that's right. Thanks, Hunter. 
that was great. And now um, I'm going to check my notes here. It's now time for our interview. Oh, and this is great. We have a great interview lined up. Uh, I am pleased to be joined by our interview subject for the evening, Hunter Follett. Wow, yeah. I will insert applause here. I will not insert applause here. I'm I'm not going to edit that. Um, okay. Hi, Hunter. Hey, Greg. Good to see uh, you. Th- thanks for joining us. Um, I will start the way we start most of these interviews. Can you tell us your Ryla story? Well, sure, Gregory. Thanks. You know, many years ago, the universe had nothing. <laughs> okay, fast forward. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't realize where I had another time from. <laughs> Fast forward to the part uh, where you you learn about camp. Oh, yeah. Had no idea uh, what Camp Rila was. Uh, had heard about Rotary. Uh, knew they cured polio. That was it, right? Was not in Rotary, was not in Rila, anything like that. Don't think I ever even applied to Rila, by the way. Um, I may have. I don't really know. It was, a, it was a confusing time in my life. I was 17. All I remember is getting called to the principal office principal's office, which happened a lot in those days, and usually not for something good. And and the I guess it's like the vice dean or whatever, because I went to Plano Senior High, which had like a gazillion students. And the you know assistant dean or vice dean or whatever his name was calls me. He's like, Hunter, you've been selected to go to this leadership camp uh, this summer. Uh, and I was like, is this like a you know multi level marketing situation? Like, uh, do I need to also buy the scented oils? And they're like, no, no, no. Uh, it's for leadership. Uh, we, you know, we think you've got potential that you've been squandering, and this is going to help. Oh, you want more of the story? And then, and then you went. And then I went. Yeah, I mean, so it's interesting. Like, I go, and you know, I'm not what you might conventionally call a joiner, um, and uh, pretty sure it was a cult early on. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, then I realized, like, hey, listen, like, um, I may not be a fan of, you know. Like if they're, if they're brainwashing, at least their, their intentions are good. And, and frankly, my, my mind could use a bit of a scrub. Um, and uh, what I what I think I, I I'll tell you this, like and you hear it every probably every podcast you do. It's like, oh, it changed my life. Well, Ryla really did change my life um, in a couple of ways. Uh, and let me let me let me uh, elocute to the specifics. Good word. Um, SAT word. Yeah. There you see, this is multi-educational. Mm-hmm. Um Leadership is not something people are born with. Um, it's certainly not uh, a, a thing in and of itself. It's really a category. It's a category of different tools and approaches to get people to, to achieve more. And like, there's a bunch of, there's a million definitions, but here's what I'll tell you. Leadership's not one thing. It's a bunch of tools. And what Rila was for me was like a starter pack. You know, like I, 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 a five-year head start on my peers um, that enabled me to be uh, more than I think I would have otherwise um, earlier. Uh, enabled me to have um, uh, skills like uh, uh, valuing authenticity, working with other leaders, mm-hmm. right? Um, it gave me, you know, one of the things that I think we talk about at Rilo a lot is like, listen, it used to be that good was good enough, right? Like back in the day, you could have a good job and take care of your family and all that. And it was great. You could, you know, good was like an 80. But mm-hmm. then... You know, like inflation, call it what you will. Like, good's not good enough. You got to be great uh, to succeed, right? And and to, to live the life that you want, or or you know that you see on on uh, on Kim Kardashian's uh, TikTok. Um, Kim's a friend, by the way. Uh, yeah, name drop. I'll just pick that up. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, Greg. Uh, 
And great's probably like a 95, right? But it turns out the great's not good enough anymore either. Because um, there's so many people who are great and, and competition's stiff. You got to be exceptional. But the interesting thing is, although the difference between good and great is between, you know, good and great is 80 to 95, there's some great exceptional is that extra two or three percent. Um, and at Ryla, I think I, I picked up a couple of areas where it's like, how can I be exceptional at cleaning my cabin? Or mm. how can we be exceptional at our skit? And like, when you take that into college of like, how can I take it out of the out of the hands of the judges, out of the hands of the admissions committee, out of the hands of my interviewers? So that they say, like, this is somebody who is genuinely exceptional and, and we'd be crazy not to give them a, a chance. It, it's, it's like taking yourself out of the process. Um, so anyway, that uh, that and the other one was like being a force for good. Um, I, I may have and this is true. I don't know if you know anybody like this, Greg. Um, I, I actually learned it all from my assistant counselor. Um huh. Uh, I had an assistant counselor in, in 2004 by the name of uh, Gregory Schmepper or something like that. Um, Who's to say? Uh, yeah, but um, I may have been a bit of a class clown in those days. Um, and uh, I had some conversations with some uh, some members of the, of the staff at the time who, who said like, hey, what if instead of directing your energy towards a chuckle and like, don't stop doing that because you're hilarious. Okay, they didn't say that, but I thought that. Um <laughs> You instead directed that towards towards uh, you know creating a positive change in the world, um, and that's that sort of stuck with me. Um, the last thing I'll say here is I left Ryla m- making a choice. Like I made, I said I'm intentionally going to live through the principles that I picked up in this last week, um, and in particular, I'm going to live a life where I, uh, uh, you know, I, I try to be exceptional in what I'm doing where I act with authenticity uh, around my peers, where I listen to others and, and play different roles in the team. Like I, I just sort of like, I, I, I try to incorporate those and a number of other sort of tools I've picked up and, uh, and just something, some amount of success. So here now comes like, I think the most important question that I think most people have whenever they meet you and they get to know you and they've known you for a few years. What do you do? Uh, i have because this is true and you and i are buddies right we're friends we've known each other a long time i have a vague notion of what you do (laughs) and and so could you lay out for us it doesn't need to be in great detail but can you tell the people what it is that you do listen greg um i could tell them but then i'm going to kill them Yeah, so uh, do you want to know what I do or how I got there? Um, I don't know, man. I, listen, I think the easiest way to put it is I am um, a I'm the CEO of a company uh, that uh, builds equipment that reduces the environmental impact of oil and gas production. Um, that's the simplest way to look at it. Um, I view my job, my career as uh, both an investor and as a an operator uh, on behalf of of my and other people's capital. Um, so I've I've had a very strange career. I like to say I'm a, a recovering investment banker. Um, at times, I uh, owned one of the five largest medieval sword companies uh, in North America. Sure. Um, I sold button-down shirts to women who ride horses in Western equestrian competitions, mm-hmm. uh, homeopathic antioxidant patches, Indian spices, um, 
couple mm-hmm. other strange things laced in there. But um, but yeah, I act on behalf of my and other people's capital in order to, um, uh, and as, usually as a CEL. Um, and so today, what we do is we manufacture products that uh, take what would have been flared um, in oil and gas production and convert it into additional energy. Um, and just a little fun stat on that is if we were able to apply, our technology is, is growing, uh, certainly amongst the majors. Uh, and if we're able to apply it to um, all of their sort of potential locations, it's um, 3% of the total annual atmospheric carbon uh, density reduction necessary to prevent um, uh, the four degrees Celsius increase. Okay. So you're saving the world for your time. Oh, not all heroes wear capes, Craig. <laughs> okay. So then now let's tie that back because you're the CEO of a company. You are, um, uh, you are a steward. Let, let's, what, you, is it fair to say you're a steward of other people's money, right? You're a steward yes. of people's money. You're, you're a steward in that way. So then right. let's tie that back to, to Ryla. How do you use the stuff that you learned and learn present, present tense through Ryla or through Ryla in what you do? It's actually, it's actually amazing. It's funny. I, I, I think I, I, it gave me a huge head start when I was in camp. But what has been perhaps even more educational is, um, is coming back as a counselor um, because it's, it's like working in microcosm. I mean, people aren't so different when they're 17 from when they're, you know, 50. Um, they just get better at sort of masking it, but they have maybe the same sometimes thoughts in their head. Um, and so uh, obviously I work with a bunch of different people with a lot of different backgrounds um, doing a lot of, uh, we've got uh, about 180 employees now and um, we're hiring uh, another hundred over the next 12 months. Um, and it is um, finding ways to motivate them, finding ways to get them to work as a team, finding ways like understanding how they perform best, which is I think somewhat similar to sort of how, you know, different people trying to solve different stu- uh, campers trying to solve uh, challenges within camp, trying to figure out how each member of the team performs best. is like, just, it's, it's a huge leg up. Um, the other one, and this is like, just like maybe just a recent, like one-off um, I don't, you, Greg, you, you and some of the other staff will recall my, like, you know, my passion project at last camp was, uh, was all around feedback. Like I was like really trying to both give and receive better feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that, like totally selfishly was I wanted some swings in the batting cages at Ryla, which is relatively low stakes relative mm-hmm. to, you know, where everyone's going to support you no matter what you do, um, of both giving and receiving feedback so that I would be in practice for giving and receiving feedback within my team. So then, you know, you are a guy who you you work with, you work as the head of a team every day at work. What are the, are there unique challenges or or when you come back to camp, because because then you're, you're a counselor, you're involved in the staff and, and those, are there, are there challenges that are, that you find to be unique or does it all kind of all stem from the same, is, is leadership just this small, this small group of things that branches out or do, do you find yourself challenged in unique ways when you come back to camp? Oh, this, I mean, undeniably, um, I learned something significant every year, right? Mm -hmm. Something that's like very, like, uh, without getting too specific, I had a, uh, a camper a few years back who, who was very much not bought in. Right. And the more sort of, I, pushed or, or tough loved it like which is such our which is our, our instinct right our instinct is to is to come with with like kind of tough love uh you know i call it what's called cognitive behavioral therapy 
um, of, of, you know, approaching it kind of head on with candor and authenticity. And it was just pushing him further away. And what I realized was like, I needed to take a different approach. Um, and instead of, instead of sort of admonishing or, or challenging or, or sort of trying to, you know, use what I like to call energy bullying, um, which is, you know, where you just sort of like, I've got so much energy, you have to jump on board, which is just causing me to move further away. I was like, you know what? Let's try a different approach. Let's, let's tell them something I admire about them. Um, mm. And they're in, they're in build rapport. Uh, and it was amazing. It was like, it was like a title shift um, from, from that moment. Uh, both in that our cabin's trajectory as well as sort of the relationship I had with that student um, to say, hey, here's something I really admire about you. And like, it's really clear that you're very, very smart and that you are like, you know, you, you've done some of the work through some of your other organizations that you may have even seen some of these products before. And like, hey, do you think that there's a way, like, do you think that there, it's possible to continue to grow here at camp? Like, do you think there's things for you to learn here? And he's like, yeah, I guess that's possible. And I don't think he'd been open to that before. Um, and then I said, hey, listen, try it or don't just here's here's a, a challenge i have for you mm -hmm. uh, and and taking that approach of first building rapport through admiration and then sort of tying that to like a a challenge i actually then went and did that at my at my company i went to again a member of my company or i won't say uh, but one of the other leaders in my company is a very very talented very very smart person but isn't sort of always you know we have different sort of priorities and visions sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I open with admiration as opposed to pushing back on the things I don't like. I said, here's some things I really admire about you. And I have a challenge. Like we have a, a you know, we all stand to benefit. I'm all, you know, a lot of uh, the members of my, my team stand to benefit as we succeed. Um, you know, would you, are you willing to, to, to grow in this way by trying this, this other approach? Now's the time in the podcast where, uh, and in the interview, because this is the interview segment of, of, the, of the podcast, yeah, where we've drawn lines of demarcation. Um, you can't see them. They're invisible, like the theater of the mind type thing, um, where we give you the floor to to plug something. Is there something that you're passionate about that you want, theoretically, everyone in the world with internet access to know about? You're talking about other than Bally's sports. Thank you. Uh, thank you for thank you for knowing uh, that. We need all the help we can get. Yeah. Uh, there are actually um, a couple of books I wanted to recommend. Um, the first is uh, one of the most impactful books that I've ever read in terms of like practical skills uh, for uh, for dealing with others. Uh, and it's called Never Split the Difference by a guy named Chris Voss. Mm -hmm. um, he uh, was an FBI negotiator um, and um, in, in short, they actually, they put him up against sort of the top academic negotiators at Harvard at some point, um, and he just mopped the floor with them. Um, and it's not about sort of hard nose, you know, negotiation. It's about finding common ground um, and understanding the priorities of, of your counterparty. And like, you know, he, he, he uses negotiation as the term, but, but he really, you know, is, is encompassing sort of all discussion. Um, and I think finding common ground and also the, the couple of like, I mean, there's some full Jedi mind tricks in there that have been <laughs> super useful for me. And I'm going to do a double plug because I just can do that. I love it. Uh, the second is uh, uh, The Four Agreements um, by an author named mm -hmm. Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, very short book. It's maybe 100 pages. Uh, and I read it when I was about 16 or 17, uh, right around the time I was going to Ryla. Uh, and it really, I think, opened 
sort of helped me to clear out some of the cobwebs in my mind of, of agreements I'd made to myself or limiting beliefs that I had about myself or, or uh, that I was portraying and, and sort of restructure that into uh, a cleaner and, and I think uh, more effective uh, mental model. Okay. Uh, and, and finally, before we close out the interview, interview portion of this podcast, um, did I hear you right that you have a social media manager? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, she's also, uh, um, she also is, there's a, I don't know if you have this, you know, the, the magical basket. I got a magical basket in my room. I throw dirty laundry in there and it just shows up clean in my, in my closet. It's I got to get one of those. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, the light of my life, uh, my wife who I've been with now for 21 years. Um, yeah, tough to do the math on that. Um, I met my wife and she was 15. Um, I was also 15, so it's okay. To be clear. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, no, uh, um, she uh, does most of my social media. So if you see anything posted on there, it's usually from her. Okay. Uh, hey, Hunter, thanks for being our guest on the RylaCast. You're welcome, Gregory. Okay, now we're back with co-host Hunter Follett. Uh, Hunter, thanks hey! for, for joining us. Hey, it's good, good to have you here. Was it great for the advertisers? Uh, no, yeah, we, the, the break, we'll, we'll, I'll edit it in a post. It's fine. Um, it's now time for, for me to bring us home. Uh, and after talking a little bit about careers, uh, I want to talk about a post-career world uh, and tell you about a book that I haven't read, but I've read an excerpt and an interview with the author, which is basically like reading a book. He, he, he said confidently into a microphone. Um, the book is called The Search by Bruce Feiler, Finding Meaningful Work in a Post-Career World. And he discusses a lot of things about how the idea of the career is changing, not just because of remote work and not just because of AI or, or a post-COVID economy, uh, but there's just like a cultural shift going on in the way that people view careers. I think that our generation... Uh, you and I are the same generation, which is old, to be clear, like for people listening. We're old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. He's pointing to his gray hair. I am also pointing to my gray hair. Uh, it exists. Um, but our generation is uh, going to treat our careers differently than other generations, and it may not jive with, you know, older generations they may and I think that you're I think a lot of the the conflict that you're seeing is because of that. Uh, because of people uh, who just treat careers differently. But he he goes through and talks a lot of these, of the idea of, of like careers are no longer linear, which I, I really buy into a lot of like what you were talking about of, of just saying, find what you're interested in. Um, it's not just find one thing that you do and that you're quote unquote passionate about and ride that train to the end of the line. Um, but he had one, one quote in this interview that he read that, that I'm, I'm going to quote directly, which is, do, 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 do. He, he, there's some vamping. Here we go. This is Bruce Feiler of, of the, uh, the book, The Search. Work is not exclusively about salary or benefits or hours. It's not just productivity, profit, and loss. It's also about meaning. It's about purpose, identity, exhaustion, renewal, and happiness. The only way to write a successful story is to resist the climbing. The primary way we've talked about work is about climbing, a higher floor, a bigger office, greater benefits, more salaried. But the people who are happiest and most successful don't just climb, they also dig. It's an act of personal archaeology 
to figure out the story you've been trying to tell your whole life. The hardest part is giving yourself permission to tell that story, even if it disappoints somebody else. Your work is a story. Each of us has to construct that truth. So run toward the words, embrace the literature, write your own story, end quote. I thought that was good. As somebody who writes for a living and also hosts a leadership podcast, I was like, all of that's really good. I, I do like the idea of like, it's not just climbing, it's digging too. It's not just going higher, it's going deeper. Yeah, and digging within yourself. You know, it's mm-hmm. interesting. The one thing in that that quote that I thought was kind of kind of interesting is, is you talked about identity. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the big unlocks in my life was when I actually separated the way that I made money from who I am as a person. Mm. Um, and I don't know, this may actually be sort of the opposite advice of what, what, you know, that, that piece, uh, and maybe it's, it's find the part of, part, find the part of you that's going to be most effective at doing that job, mm-hmm. which is certainly part of your identity, but who I am as a person and what I do to make money are, are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, like what if making money is just something that, you know, we do in order to, you know, sustain the enterprise of, of, of living in, uh, a, a rich, full life and having rich life experiences with interesting people. Um, mm-hmm. So I, it, there's, I guess maybe, maybe two thoughts. One, you can simultaneously, like disconnecting who I am from what I do for a living was a huge unlock mm-hmm. uh, and also enabled me to be more effective at what I was doing. Because it wasn't, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't just thinking it like, it wasn't a reflection on me. It was a reflection on like, Hey, this is the, I am now working as part of a, a greater sort of, you know, towards a greater vision as part of this organization. Uh, but then I'm also who I am. Right. Um, and I don't know, like I'm not a big fan of work life balance. I sort of work all the time and live all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it's, it's the people who like, here's what I, what I never understand is somebody who at five o'clock, you know, they're counting the minutes at four fifty-five, Right. Mm-hmm. I, that's, that's a tough one, you know, as opposed to saying, um, you know, think less about about sort of when I'm here and more about what I'm able to get done during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as well, like, listen, yeah, absolutely, you know, look to climb, but also look to uh, look within yourself and look around you uh, to uh, to how you know how you can be a, a better part of the towards uh, of the organization acting towards the vision. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an either or. It doesn't have to be like your work is your identity, like or like. You are just you're running around uh, the the desert, you know, driving around the desert in a van. Certainly do that if that's, you know, if that that sounds like it rocks, honestly. But um, I, you know, I'd go van. I'd go living in a van if if, if I had the the, the opportunity. But all that's to say is uh, think about the way that we view our careers and and make sure that you are um, running towards the words and embracing the literature of your own story. So there you go. That's the way I'm going to end it. And Hunter, that's the pot. We did it. We did it. This is the way we didn't. We didn't like we did. Did you just did you just quote the Mandalorian? Yeah, you're a huge nerd. I love you. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of the Ryla cast. Uh, we do thank you for spending a little bit of your day with us. We want you to go to Ryla5810.org uh, and go there and just see all the fun stuff that they've got going on that website. It's a cool website. Um, and uh, now here's a challenge. And I did not prepare Hunter for this, but we're going to see how quick he is. Hunter, at the end of the podcast, we asked Josie to think of, to tell people an antiquated way of promoting the podcast, of telling people about the podcast. And here, with an antiquated way of telling people to listen to the Rylacast, is Hunter Follett. 
Riley Cast, District 5810. It's more fun than a, a dog with two tails. <laughs> we'll see you next time on the Riley Cast. <laughs>